You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Oh my goodness, uh, totally forgot. Hold on a second. I was daydreaming over there. I got a couple things. Man, I'm... Okay, um, hold on a second. I got some... My things in here. Oh, man. Okay. Sorry, everybody. I just... Just hold on a second. What am I doing? All right. All right. Oh, hold on a second. All right. Here we go. All right. Um, oh, man. My notes. Um, can you run out to my car? I'm just kidding, everybody. <laughs> I'm totally prepared. This is all part of the plan. <laughs> Actually, uh, this is, I mean, if you know me, this was really hard for me to not be prepared because I am a very prepared type of person, over-prepared almost, but I want to talk to you about how we live our life kind of like that, you know? What happens if I don't have my notes? Well, I'm just going to wing it. Well, if I, (laughs) it would be a terrible message. I'm sure I could come up with something. It would be really short. But uh, winging it is not the way to come in here if I care about you. You know, if I care about what God has called me to do, uh, I shouldn't be winging anything. But yet that is exactly what most of us do through life. We're just winging it. We're just kind of making our way through life. And actually what we kind of do is sometimes, I'm going to play darts this morning. So hope you all are ready. In fact, I probably need a volunteer to hold it for me when we get to that part. You know, um, we can't live our life winging it. You know, when I when I wanted to when I was a kid, I wanted to to grow up and be maybe a rock star. So I really wanted to be a rock star when I was in high school. Played the drums, played in a rock band, and I planned on literally being a rock star. But um, and when I was even younger, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That didn't go anywhere. Uh, didn't make it to the high school football team, uh, basketball team, or baseball team. <laughs> I got cut from all of them. <laughs> so athletics is not going to be my profession. Uh, and, and I, you know, when I was a little, little kid, I wanted to be a wrestler. Uh, that didn't turn out as well. Uh, we all want to be something. Uh, by the way, just think about what you wanted to be when you were a kid. And did you end up there? Is that what you're doing now? Some of you say, shaking your head, yes, that's pretty awesome. You know, the real question is not what do you want to be when you grow up. The real question is what does God want you to be? What has God called you to be and called you to become? Here's the key thought for this morning. And the key thought for this morning is this, is that everyone in life ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose, Everyone ends up somewhere. You're going to end up somewhere, but where you end up on purpose is a whole different issue. To find where we're going to uh, end up in life, we, we have to start from the end. And um, we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about that. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 1. God knows where he wants you to end up at. Did you know that? God already has a plan 
for you. Jeremiah in chapter one, verse five, Jeremiah was a prophet in a time when the people of Israel were really, really struggling. Uh, a lot of their family had been abducted and they were carried off into a foreign land in Babylon. And so they were left, many of them back in Israel, destitute without uh, the best of the best that were kidnapped. And so they were left without their, their husbands and many times without their, most of them without their uh, sons. And, and Jeremiah was the was the prophet that kind of said, hey, guys, listen, no matter how bad it gets, God has a plan in the middle of all of this chaos. And this is what he says in chapter 1, verse 5. God told him this. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He's saying, you listen, Jeremiah, I have a plan for you that has been your plan that I have for you since you were and before you were born. And in many ways, God is still working in the same powerful way with many of us. Later on in that prophetic uh, letter uh, of Jeremiah, he's encouraging the families that are going through a difficult time. And it was in their chaos and in their pain that the Lord said this to tell the people, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This was a word to those that were in pain, those that were struggling, those that had lost their sons and their husbands. And God says, listen, Jeremiah, I have a plan for you. And not only do I have a plan for you, but I also have a plan for us. I have a plan for us. And it's a good plan. We usually end up wandering through life. This is how we end up living life. It's like this. We end up life doing life like this. We're just kind of like, oh, my word, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I can't help but be good, y'all. Just... <laughs> That was a bullseye if you're listening. <laughs> I'm throwing darts. All right. This is what, oh, my word. <laughs> Somebody stop me. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm not even going to try this time. Whew, that was ruining my own illustration. This is, this is how we do in life is that we tend to just, oh, my goodness, I'm just too good. All right. Here's what we do in life. We just kind of get up and we just throw. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's right. That's how I should live my life because it's working out pretty good. What we end up doing is we end up just kind of wandering through life, throwing things at whatever, hoping it'll just stick, you know, hoping it'll work out, hoping that we'll get the bullseye. And what we really need to do is we need to tap into God's purpose. So uh, show of hands real quick. Uh, five years from now, a little survey, show of hands, five years from now, how many of you want to be farther from God than you are right now? Okay. How many, five years from now, um, you want to have never have witnessed to anyone or ever led anyone to Jesus? Anybody? Okay. Show of hands. Show of hands. Um, how many of you, five years from now, want no meaningful Christian friends? Anybody? Okay. Uh, five years from now, how many of you are like, you would like a struggling marriage? Anybody? Five years from now, how many of you would like greater debt? Anyone? Anyone? Um, five years from now, how many of you would like to feel heavier and worse than you are right now? Anyone? Okay. Five years from now, how many of you never want to experience the power of God? Anybody? 
Well, these things will happen without a vision for your life. These things will happen if you wing it, if you just try to see what will stick. If you don't have a plan for your life, that is no plan. If you don't have a plan, that is no plan. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Proverbs 29, 18. This is our theme verse for this morning. And, you know, there was a joke that, you know, one of those, uh, you know, um, memes that had a, you know, prepare, you know, 2020 sermons all over the country, 2020 vision is, it's the truth. I mean, we get 2020, year 2020, 2020 vision, but, but it's true. There is this sense of vision that God wants us to have. Proverbs 29, 18 says there, where there is no vision, the people perish. Other translations say the people wander aimlessly. There's just a sense of lack of direction with, if you don't have an idea of where you're going and, and the vision that they're talking about here is, is God's word for their life. And without a clear idea of God's word for your life, you will perish because you're wandering aimlessly is what the essence of this verse means. The word vision here is the Hebrew word kazan. Everybody say kazan. Kazan. And basically this means a revelation, a vision, or a dream. Let me ask you, do you have a kazan for your marriage? Do you have a kazan for your finances? Do you have a kazan for your family? Do you have a kazan for your health? Or do you stumble through life just trying to see what will stick you know, a lot of times we evaluate our new year in December, January, and we come up with these kind of New Year's uh, uh, resolutions because we kind of have an idea where we want to go. And, and you know what resolutions are? I saw this this week. I thought it was kind of funny. Resolutions are what you plan on doing for one week in January. And then they're kind of gone. This is kind of where we are. And we just kind of say, you know what? I'm just going to see what happens. That's what I was looking for. We're just trying to see what will stick. You know, I like to say the vision is like football. I've used this illustration before, but vision is like football on this. When you play football, if you're a quarterback, you don't, I mean, the play is you throw the ball where they're supposed to be. You don't, you don't necessarily just throw the ball at where they are. Now, sometimes when you're in a bind, you have to think on your toes and, and do like that, but a play is designed so that, you are supposed to be in a certain spot and they're going to throw the ball there and by the time you get there, the ball will meet you there and you are, you know, catching the ball, maybe running with it at that point or touchdown or gaining some yards. But the idea is you have to get in the zone. If you're in the zone, if you're in the area, when that ball starts coming, you have to put yourself in the zone. You have to break through every barrier that might try to stop you because you know where you're supposed to be, you know where you're supposed to place and plant your feet, and you gotta get there. You gotta bust through the obstacles and put yourself in the zone. Do whatever it takes. Vision is a lot like that. It's about seeing God's kazone and placing yourself in it. Now check out this, this picture here. This is from 2007, uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks against Green Bay Packers. Now, Green Bay was actually down when this game started, and then a blizzard hit. And the Seahawks had a hard time getting in the zone. But it was amazing, even with almost zero visibility. Look at that bottom right one. That's pretty amazing. That was the arena. 
even with nearly visible, uh, zero visibility at times, because Green Bay was able to put themselves in the zone where the ball was supposed to be, they were able to advance as one of the largest playoff stretches uh, wins. They, they, they cranked up 42 points, I believe, in that game, even in the middle of this incredible visibility issue. And the reason was, is they put themselves in the zone. See, without a zone, people wander aimlessly. They knew where they were supposed to be. They put themselves there, and they were able to score and advance even when it was hard to see because they knew where they were supposed to be. We must look at the end if we want to know what God wants to do now. Isaiah says this, Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning. God starts at the end. He always starts at the end. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. This is what, this is, he's basically defining what vision is. Vision is seeing the end before you get there. Things that have not been done that are going to happen yet. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. This is what the Lord says. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. We all have a chance to write our epitaph. What's that? That's what people will say to us when we pass on. Now, there's going to come a day when every one of us will, will die. You know, good news, happy new year, we're all going to die. Uh, one day, and one day, some of you hopefully will be, uh, you know, around still when I pass on, when I'm like 120 years old. Uh, and when I do, I want you all to stand up and say things about me that are great. Can you do that? Who will do that for me? Anybody? All right. So who who will make a commitment to show up at my funeral? Anybody? <laughs> I am, all right. I'm going to be watching. <laughs> all right. From heaven. <laughs> and like, that's kind of a creepy thing to say, but we all get a chance to write our epitaph. What will yours say? And I, and I got to thinking about the Guinness Book of World Records. The people, uh, some of the things that they'll be known for. Uh, there's a guy named Ken Edwards who had the most cockroaches in his mouth, living cockroaches in his mouth. He was able to put 36 living cockroaches in his mouth. World record. I want to know why he was wanting to beat a record and why that record even showed up to begin with. And there's actually people who try to break the cockroach in your mouth world record. He got 36. Way to go, Ken Edwards. That's what you'll be remembered for. There's another guy who ate a 12-inch pizza in two minutes. Man, some of you, you're on your way there. You're on your way there. Uh, there's a guy from the UK, that's him on the bottom uh, right. He has the loudest burp on record. That is something to be known about. Uh, Elaine Davidson has the most piercing on a woman. She has over 6,000 piercings on her body, and 192 of them were on her face alone. Now, this was a couple of years ago, and she's still adding piercings. So I don't know if it's 192 now. This was a, as of a few years ago. She's probably got a over 200 piercings on her face, 6,000 plus on her body. I like this guy on the, on the, uh, on the left. Uh, I can't pronounce his name, um, but he has the longest ear hair on record. That's all hair growing out of his ears. His, his ear hair is six inches, so that's like a half a foot. So he's got ear hair. That's something to be proud of. And there's a guy, uh, 
<laughs> who sat in a tub of pork and beans for two days, over a hundred hours in a bathtub of pork and beans. What are we doing? What are we doing? Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And I look at those, at those pictures and at those uh, world records, and I think, man, people wander aimlessly without a vision. Man, do you have a greater vision than sitting in a tub of pork and beans? Do you have a greater vision than how many cockroaches you can eat and how fast you can eat your food? I've got an exercise for you real quick. Let's rate last week's service for those of you that were here, okay? On a scale from 1 to 10, put it in your mind. Uh, was it successful 1 to 10? Now, you got to remember it, first of all, and you, you had to have been there, second of all, all right? So if you haven't been there, obviously, you can't rate it. So if you were here, rate it 1 to 10. How was the music? Uh, how was the message? How was the people? You might have not really connected because maybe you had a bad hair day, and so you were kind of standoffish, or, you know, you liked your outfit, so you were like super, you know, bold with everybody, or maybe you were there, but you don't remember any of it, and there was no follow-through on anything that was shared. In fact, I wonder if you can even remember last week's service at all. Some of you might. The band probably remembers their set list if they think for a few minutes, now, let's try to rate last year, the whole 2019. One to 10, how was 2019? And here's the bigger question. What is your rating based on? What is your rating based on? See, we all want a successful life, but we struggle to recognize a successful week. What does God say is success? Because without a kazon, people wander aimlessly. Makes me think of an Olympic rifleman, Matthew Emmons, in the 2004 Olympics, in the 50-meter, three-position set for gold. He was already set to win. All he had to do was hit anywhere, even if he didn't hit anywhere on the target, all he had to do was hit anywhere around the edge of the target. He was set for gold, He's one of the greatest uh, marksmen on the earth, and he slowed his heart rate, and he looked away for just a second, and he released, and it was a bullseye. The problem was, it was the target next to his, and he immediately went from first place setting to eighth place setting because he hit the wrong target. I wonder how many of you are hitting the wrong target. How many of you, everyone in life ends up somewhere, but a few people end up somewhere on purpose. So what we're going to do for a few minutes, we're going to take a look at a guy, an, an overview of a guy in the Bible. I've done a whole series on him, but I just want to do a quick overview of a guy in the Bible named Joseph, and he's in Genesis. In fact, he's the second most written about person in the Bible while uh, Jesus has obviously the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation about him, uh, this is a character who has the, some of the most uh, prolific writings about him in Genesis, uh, even more than Abraham and some of the others. He, he, he has five chapters in Genesis committed just to his life. All right, we're going to do just a quick overview, four things we can learn from Joseph about getting in the kazom. Verse Five of chapter 37 says, One night Joseph had a dream, 
and promptly reported the details to his brothers, causing them to hate him even more. By the way, when you get a dream, when you get a vision, when, you, when God puts something in your heart, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to love you for it. Not everybody's going to accept it. All right? So he had this dream from God. And he told it to his brothers, and his brothers already didn't like him because they felt like God played favorites with him. He, he, you know, maybe you've heard of the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors. It's that Joseph, and they were jealous of Joseph a lot. So he tells him this dream, and they hate him even more. Why would they hate him even more? Because this was a dream. He says, verse 6, listen to this dream, guys. He announced, we, are, we were all out in the field tying up our bundles of grain, and my bundle stood up, and then your bundles all gathered around and began to bow before my bundle. All right? So you know what that means. He's saying that all of you are going to bow down to my authority. Now, you might guess why these brothers of his hated him even more at this point. It's like, how arrogant, how big-headed, how, I cannot believe that he thinks that this twerp, this little, this little twerp, this little brother of ours, who's already dad's favorite, is somehow going to get us to bow down to him. Well, I want you to write this down. When you get in the kazone, this is what we learn about Joseph, because Joseph pursued God, loved God, and when you pursue God with all of your heart, as that video that we showed earlier says, the first thing is this, God will give you a vision for your life. God will give you a vision for your life. And this is what God gave Joseph. He gave him a vision. You know, one of the great joys of being a pastor, and I've been a pastor for 27 years in pastoral ministry. I've been in ministry for over 30. And one of my favorite things about being in ministry is seeing people get a vision for their life. Seeing people connect with a purpose that God has for them and then begin to see them step out and to flourish in that. And sometimes it takes time, but I love seeing this. It's one of my favorite things to see people get a vision and how it changes. And vision is seeing what has yet to happen or that can happen with God. Joe's brothers hated him for his vision and they ended up beating him and then they threw him into a pit and they all argue about with they, if they were going to kill him or not because they all wanted him dead. But then one of the older brothers was like, man, we can't kill him. He's our brother. Let's do the next best thing and sell him into slavery. And instead of ending his life, give him a life of torment and pain. He thought he was saving him, but he, in the back of his mind, could have potentially given him a worse life. But God was orchestrating the whole thing, and they didn't even realize it. So they beat him, threw him in a pit, and then they sold him as a slave to someone wandering through and. Then, as he served this household of a very uh, significant leader in Pharaoh's court, he was convicted of a crime he didn't commit, and he landed in prison. But he knew God had showed him a vision all along. Look at this verse in Proverbs 4, 5. It says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom. And she, this is wisdom, he refers to wisdom and a feminine. The word wisdom there is Sophia, by the way. If your name's Sophia, and some of you are, or I know one of you are, your name means wisdom. So it says, and she, Sophia, wisdom, wisdom will protect you, 
and love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. He's not just talking about any wisdom. He's talking about get the wisdom of God. Get the understanding of what God has for you in your life, and it will take you places you never dreamed of. It is worth everything to know God's wisdom. Wisdom from God brings a few things. If you get clear direction from God, it gives you focus, endurance, and patience. Let me explain this. If you have a clear vision for your life, you will have clear focus. Things will be clear while other things will be left behind. You see, instead of going through life, just kind of making ends meet and just throwing the darts at whatever, you know, and just running around the field hoping the ball lands in your arms, Vision gives you clear focus of where you should be and what you should be doing. It also brings you endurance. You know, there's been many times in ministry over the last 30 years that uh, my flesh wanted to quit because ministry is hard, you know? I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of love given and a lot of love that is rejected and there's a, a lot of relationship that's not reciprocated and there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of struggle, uh, a lot of weight. You know, we not only carry the weight of our families, life on our shoulders, we carry the weight of all of your lives on our shoulders as well as we care for you, love you, are there for you, are in pain when you're in pain and show up when you're hurting. You know, we carry your burdens on our shoulders. It's a heavy burden. It's hard. And there's times when my flesh wanted to quit, but I never quit because I knew what God called me to do. And I knew the vision for my life was to be in this role as a shepherd. And it brought me endurance because vision brings focus and endurance. And it also brings peace. That means when life is going crazy, you just know you're right where you're supposed to be. And it may not seem like everything around you is going right, but because you had a vision and you know you're in the kazone, there's a sense of peace that you know it's going to be all right. Here's the second thing. Not only will God give you a vision, God will work in you. God will do in you what is necessary to prepare you for his purpose. As I said earlier, Joseph was beat, misused, and he was sold into slavery, and then he was falsely accused for a crime he did not commit, but he held tight to God. And this is what it says in Genesis uh, 39, uh, beginning with verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he, Joseph, was a successful man. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Because he knew who he was to be and what God called him to be, and he had focus and endurance and peace, God began to work in him. God was working in him through all that he went through. God was, was with him when he was in that pit. God was with him when he was uh, as a slave in, in, uh, in the court of one of Pharaoh's soldiers in Potiphar's house from the pit to Potiphar. And he was with him in that prison. God was with him all the way and was working through him. See, everything Joseph learned, he learned in PPU. That's the pit and prison university, also known as just PU. And maybe you're in 
PU. <laughs> Maybe you're in a place where it's like, man, life just stinks and you're struggling. God is preparing you. And as soon as God gives vision, he begins to prepare you. Philippians 2.13, Paul says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I think of Moses, who was a shepherd for 40 years out in the wilderness, running from civilization. God was preparing him to shepherd people. I think of David, that shepherd boy who, uh, defending off the sheep uh, with a slingshot, taking down a lion and a bear, God was preparing him to take down Goliath. I think of Peter, had to graduate from Humility University before he could teach in Acts. And you might feel like what you're going through is a setback, but many times the setbacks are really setups for God to work in you. Because God has to work in you before he can do this next one, before he can work through you. You see, if you will get on your face this year, and if you will seek him with all of your heart, God will give you a vision for your life. And God will begin to work in you, and then God will work through you. When you get in the kazoo, God will work through you. This is what it says. Joseph sent, was sent to the pit, then to Potiphar's house as a slave, and then in prison for a crime he did not commit, and he became buddies with a guy in the prison. And every time one of his buddies got out, it's like they, they forgot about him and they never helped him get out until one day, one of the guys who got out overheard that the Pharaoh was struggling with bad dreams. And his buddy, Joseph's buddy, remembered, hey, there's a guy who is my cellmate in prison who understood dreams. So he hooked him up. He said, hey, I know a guy named Joseph in prison who can interpret dreams. And next thing you know, he's standing before the greatest ruler of the world at that time, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and he interpreted the dream for Pharaoh. He said this, this is what your dream means. It means that a great famine is coming and you need to prepare for the famine because it will kill and destroy much of the land and the people of this kingdom. And then Pharaoh began to say, what should we do? And God began to give Joseph a plan to prepare for this famine. And he began to share it to this Pharaoh, to the later. And at the time, it seemed like what was a setback was actually what God was doing to set up to save thousands of lives. See, God began to work through him in the midst of this. And then here's the last thing, is that God will not only give you vision, and he will not only work in you, and he will not only work through you, but God will give you clarity looking back. And I love this. There'll come a day when it clicks. There'll come a day when you can look back and go, I see why that happened. I know why that relationship ended. I, I now see why those doors closed. I, I see how that experience made me who I am today. You know, a lot of my pain, a lot of the struggles, a lot of my sickness, a lot of the things that have gone through my life, they've shaped who I am today. And looking back, I see it because I know God's vision for my life. I know the call of God in my life. I can look back and go, there's clarity. I now understand a little bit as to why some of these things happen. That famine 
that happened, Joe was put in charge because he had a God-given vision to fix the problem and a solution. His brothers were in the midst of this famine, and little did they know that Joseph had gone from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison, and now he was in the palace, and he was put a second person in charge during the famine because he was the one who was set up to save the world at that time during this time of famine where his brothers and his whole family were starving and they wander back into Egypt to get food. And guess what they did? They all gathered around the big chair, the throne where Joseph was at, and they all bowed before him just as the dream that had been given to Joseph as a child had said. It's a beautiful story. And if I encourage you to read it this week. It's from about chapter 35 to 50. And it is a dynamic story of God's grace, provision, vision, dreams, beautiful picture of forgiveness and redemption. This is what it says in Genesis 50, verse 20. His brother's afraid that now that he has all this power that, that, he would be, that they would be killed. This is what Joseph said. As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. And he brought me to this high position today so that I could save the lives of many people. See, by the end, Joseph finally understood the vision. He understood the why, all the pain. Why that pit? Why being missed uh, accused and, and condemned in Potiphar's house? Why the years and years and years of neglect and lies done to me while in prison? He says, I now understand it. See, when you seek God and you start to get the kazone that God has for you and you stay faithful to what is right, you will eventually see the why. Two barriers that break this connection. I said that getting yourself in the kazan is, is getting in that zone and, and being there when God throws the ball. Are you going to put yourself in that position? You got to break through the barriers to get yourself in that position. I want to give you real quickly two barriers, two things that will try to knock you out of God's kazan. Two things that will try to knock you out of God's plan for your life. You don't have to come up to me and say, I'm dry, and then I'm scattered, or I'm confused. You don't have to live that way, because everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. You need to find God's kazon for your life by getting on your face, seeking his will for your life. You will get a vision. God will work in you. God will work through you, and you will have clarity of your life. But there is opposition, and these are the opposition. It's found in Psalm 24, two barriers to break the connection and will try to take you down. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Verse 3 says, who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart and the one who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. They will receive blessing, God's plan, God's purpose, God's provision, God's future from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Two things that knock you out of the zone. Two things that will try to be a barrier and, and, and disconnect you from the zone of God. The first one is this, sin. He says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Sin is a sensitive word. Sin is a sensitive word. But in the Bible, it means missing the mark. This is what sin is. 
This is, if you were to say this is God's word for your life, this is, you know, you could even say this is like the Ten Commandments, God's word, God's law. This is, this is sin. Sin is this, falling short of God's plan for your life. That's what sin is. Sin literally means falling short. That's why Romans says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. And we could spend our whole life trying to hit the mark and we will miss and we will miss and we will overshoot and we will fall short. We just, see, the Bible tells us we are a terrible shot and that we all fall short. We're all sinners. That's a big dilemma. But thank God for Jesus who forgives us of all of our sins. It literally means missing the mark. It means being out of the zone of where God wants you to be. You know, I think of uh, when Noelle was a little kid. I was thinking about this this last week. And Noelle, I don't know if she remembers this, Noelle was brushing her teeth. And uh, she just comes out with her toothbrush in her mouth. And she stood in front of us. And she goes, uh, Papa said he used to just lick the tube and smiled. And then went back into her bathroom brushing her teeth. I don't know if you remember that. But I thought that was funny. <laughs> because she was saying, you know, as a kid, he used to just fake it. Now, you guys, you probably have done the same, all right? I remember when I was a kid, I don't know what, I mean, you're a kid, you know, just don't shout me down. But my mom would say, oh, you need to get it, take a shower for school tomorrow. And just, I don't know, man, I was a kid. I just, it was a hassle, right, when I was a kid. I'm a little kid. I'm a kid. So I would go in the bathroom, and I would turn on the shower, and I would just sit in the bathroom. And I would get my hair wet out of the sink, just put it on my hair and then walk out with a towel on. Looking back, I'm like, why don't I just take a shower? <laughs> I was in there long enough to take a shower, and I could have just jumped in and jumped out. I don't know what it was, but I was faking it. Some of you guys are just licking the tube. We have sin in our life, and you think that people don't know about it, and you hide it, and you're just licking the tube. And let me tell you something, man, you stink, man. And your breath stinks. <laughs> And it's because you got secrets. You're hiding things. And according to a, to a national survey, we all have sin. Here's a, a survey of the top nine sins in America, all right? Top nine sins in America. Top nine things that we struggle with. Number nine is lying. And, and if I asked you if that was you, you'd lie to me anyhow, so. Number eight, envy. Number seven, sexual lust. Number six, anger. Number five, gluttony. Number four, pride. Number three, selfishness. And if you're not sure if that's you, just ask your best friend and they'll tell you. Number two, laziness. If I had asked you to raise your hand, uh, you probably wouldn't because it'd be too much work. And the number one sin in America, interestingly enough, is materialism, which serves a lot of other issues. Basically, it's selfishness. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to have been mentioned. Whatever it is, will you let God renew your heart and your mind? This is what David said in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to convict and challenge you today? Allow God to identify areas in your life that come between you and him? Will you let God identify the barriers in your life that are keeping you from getting in the zone of God? 
Sin hurts and it damages your life. But more than that, it damages and hurts our relationship with God. Try this. Take this down. Right? Note this somewhere on your page. Try this. Get on your face for the next couple of weeks and really seek his face for vision in your life. Make a list of the top sins he convicts you of that you struggle with. Find verses to renew your mind and your thinking about these issues. And then find a godly friend to talk to and make habit changes. Because everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. So what are you going to do about it? All right. Here, I'm going to do an exercise. Don't show the next slide yet. I'm going to do an exercise, and once we show this next slide, um, I'm going to have uh, uh, Luke just kind of go through them slowly, and then I want you to do whatever you want when you see these pictures, okay? Let's see, like, whatever. So go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's the last one. I think, is there how many more left? This is it. All right, the next one that we're going to talk about is a barrier that keeps you between you and God. The next one is idolatry. I baited some of you. <laughs> that was a trick. It's interesting how passionate we get about certain things you know what idolatry is? Idolatry is not just the worship of an idol. It's misplaced passion. It's misplaced uh, affection. It's, this is what he says. Who can find the blessing? Who can get in the Lord's presence? Who can go to the mountain? Well, it's the one who does not lift up his soul to an idol. See, an idol can be anything. An idol can be your favorite recreational hobby. Uh, you know, it could be a favorite sport. It can be the Dallas Cowboys. It could be whatever team that you like. Who's the Cowboy fan here? All right. Who's not? All right. You guys are afraid, aren't you? You know, an idol can be anything. You know, idol can, can be good things that have misplaced passion. And it can also be bad things. Uh, uh, idols can be money. Some of you guys, you worship money and success and, and, and wealth and confidence in your possessions. Some of you, you worship a schedule. You know, it's like you are by the clock, by the time. It is religiously, uh, you don't have time for God because every single bit of your time is filled in with something that is about you. Idols could be something good. Idols can even be your kids. You know, if you have a misplaced passion and devotion towards your kids that is greater than your devotion towards your God, then that is letting your kids become an idol. Or maybe it's your family, somebody in your family. Maybe it's a spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend. It can even be neutral things like, like a TV, you know. There's nothing wrong with watching TV, but if it 
a, uh, if you have more time watching TV or playing video games or obsessing over electronic devices in your hands, if, if that is a misplaced passion in your life, then that item has become an idol. For some of you, an idol is a mirror because all you do is want to look in a mirror and, and make sure you're looking good, feeling good, dressing good. You buy only the best for yourself. There's nothing wrong with buying nice things, but if you are obsessing over yourself, our bodies and your self-image, guess what? You have become your own idol. And these things, obvious sin in our life, as well as false idols in our life, will keep us from the mountaintops of God, Psalm 24 says. Idols are anything that replace our pursuit and passions for God. Psalm 139 says this. We already read it, but in regards to this, listen. He says this, search me God, search me, oh God, and know my heart. See, God, just look inside and let me know. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want you to ask yourself today, what do you put ahead of God? Recognize the idolatry of your life. Then ask yourself, what are you going to do about it to turn from this idol in your life? And remember, sin and idolatry will keep you from the zone. You will have a hard time understanding God's vision for your life if you're living actively in sin and if you are bowing at false idols in your life. William Booth made a simple commitment. I want to end with this thought here. William Booth, he once wrote in his journal, he says, I do promise God that I will rise early every morning to have a few minutes, not less than five, in private prayer. And I hereby vow to read no less than four chapters in God's word every day. And I will cultivate a spirit of self-denial and will yield myself a prisoner of love to the Redeemer of the world. That simple commitment, life commitment of a guy named William Booth changed the world. You know who William Booth is? William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. And when he made this commitment, all he wanted to do was to reach his community. And then before he knew it, he reached his city. And then before he knew it, he reached the region, the, the, uh, the state, his country, and the world. And the Salvation Army is one of the most powerful religious institutions around the world, accepted by Christians and non-Christians, all because William Booth said, God, I will pray every day, I will read your word every day, and I will be a servant of love, and I will be a prisoner of love to those around me and to you, Lord. And that commitment changed the world. This week, I want you to write out a commitment concerning your relationship with God. Okay? This is, rather than do a resolution, I want you to write out a commitment concerning your relationship for God in 2020. In prayer, search your heart. Listen to the conviction of God. Get rid of the barriers. Get in line with Jesus. Get in the zone and listen. And I'm excited about what God has for us as a church in 2020. But I have a higher calling than the church. I have a calling to raise my kids as mature Christ followers. I have a vision for my finances that are greater than my credit cards and materialism. I've got a vision for my body that's greater than Pizza Hut and Sonic, though there's nothing wrong with Pizza Hut and Sonic. Bottom line, I don't have to answer to you. I have to answer to God because everyone ends up somewhere 
but few people end up somewhere on purpose. So when it comes down to the year, I want you to think of football and I want you to think of darts. A lot of times we think this, we think, man, maybe my issue is I just need better darts. Maybe if I just have better darts, I can, you know, get the nice, shiny, fancy ones. If I could just maybe get some better darts, maybe I could make better shots. And so what we do is we think, man, maybe if I just get a better house or better car or uh, better clothes, then just maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do better. Listen, the answer is not in a nicer house this year. It's not in nicer clothes or a better job or a better car. It is an understanding that when you're in the zone, there's clarity, there's peace, there's endurance, there's focus. Get in the zone this year. So this year, rather than trying to see where it will stick, do everything you can. I got all these bullseyes earlier, throwing off my, to just get it where God has you to be. Because if you'll do what God wants you to do, you'll have a bullseye every time. So I'm going to challenge you this year. Find out what God's zone is for you. Place yourself in it. Stop just randomly throwing things and see what will happen. Get on your face this week, in the next two weeks, and don't write out a resolution. Find out what God's vision is for your life. Maybe there are things in your life that need to change, things that need to, you do more of, things to do less of. Find out what it is. God will give you a vision. He will work in you. He will work through you, and he will bring you clarity this year. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much. God, for uh, God, our church, our, and I thank you for 2019. God, it's been a great year and, a, and an exciting year for us. And Lord, I just pray that as we head into 2020, Lord, that um, God, you just give a, a, real, a real understanding and focus of what we are to be about and what we are to do. If that's you here today and you say, you know what? I just really need to hear God's voice this year. Will you just take a moment and just say, God, I need your voice. I need you. I need your direction. I need your wisdom. God, I pray that you would search us, God. Test us. Help us to see if there's anything in us, God, any sin, any idolatry in our life that keeps us from that mountaintop with you. God, I pray that you'd help us to see those things, identify those things, through your power, through your spirit, turn from them and get in the zone. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus today. And I want to begin this year right in relationship with him. I've been just running around the field hoping that the ball would just be tossed to me. And I've been just throwing the darts at anything to see what will stick. But today, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, will you just take a moment and say, Jesus, here's my life. With your own words, say, Jesus, here's my life. Here I am, God. Go ahead and talk to him. God, here I am. Work in me. Forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. Forgive me. Show me how to walk with you, God with your spirit, God. God, I don't want to run around anymore. I want to walk with you. Father, in Jesus' name.
excited about 2020. Uh, how about you guys? Anybody a little scared of 2020? Yeah, you never know, you know, what's going to happen every year could be a turning point year for you. So I want to encourage you next week, we'll be back and we're going to jump back into our series on 1 Peter. And we are walking through 1 Peter on how God has called us to be different. And I encourage you to do those things that we talked about today. I'm going to post them on our Facebook page. I'm going to post this, the notes of today so that you can kind of go through them and go through the exercises that we talked about today, okay? Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.